0: Aren't you glad God's got you? Woo, praise God. Praise God. You know, I want to say something about Israel. Um, I don't have the name of the person who wrote the article, but I, I saw it in one of the, the headlines today. of a It was in the Washington Post of a person who wrote an article trying to... Uh, Get Israel to uh, drop their iron dome. Just put it down, drop it. That they shouldn't have it because uh, they had this. This is their mentality. I never forget this. I was standing in in Moscow, uh, Russia, and they were telling me the story of you know the uh, two Russians. One Russian had two cows, and the other one only had didn't have any. And so he went to the commissar and said, "Hey, this is not right. My neighbor's got two cows, and I don't have any." And he said, "Well, what do you want me to do?" Want me to get one of his cows and give it to you? He said, No, I want you to kill both his cows. That was the mentality of communism in, in Russia. And so this person wrote this article, it went out, it got published, went out in the in the uh, Washington Herald saying that they should Israel should we should take the Iron Dome from them, and then that away the rockets would come in, and so then there therefore they would try to negotiate with the Palestinians. And I thought to myself, they're really that people that ignorant in life that think that because a country is being attacked that they don't have the right to defend themselves. It just blows my mind, blows my mind that people are out there and that it gets published. That's what really blows my mind. So, uh, you know, there's stupid people in the world, but bless God, he loves them too and wants them to get saved and go to heaven. So I want to share a word with you tonight. But it's it's really, I'm taking it because there's two points that I preached on Sunday that I didn't, I just brushed over and I didn't get through, and I want to go back to them. So get your Bibles out. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You know, all those stupids running rampant in the world, I don't want you guys to be unaware and knowledgeable of what the word says. I want you to get your confession right. I want you to get. Uh, stand up in the middle of it, you know, I mean, you might as well just accept the fact that, you know, we're not going to fit in the mold. We're not going to fit in to to, to that crowd. We're just going to be us, right? Bible believing, loving Jesus Christians. And so you got to know who you are. And I was talking Sunday and I don't want to go back over the whole message because I'll get tied up in something else. I just want these two points. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse three, did I tell you that? Second Corinthians ten three is where I want to share this with you because one of the points, the point number four on Sunday's message, you're, you, you are a mighty weapon. Everybody say I'm a mighty weapon. Everyone, watch and say that at home. Say I'm a mighty weapon. Declare it out. Let your voice hear it. Say it again in here. I'm a mighty weapon. Now you're not a mighty weapon in your flesh. I mean, some of you may be pretty talented or whatever, but you know your mighty weaponry is not what you can comp- you can do in your flesh. Your mighty weaponry is knowing who you are in Christ and what Jesus has done for you and what the promises that are yours, you're, you're hanging out to and you're seeing them work for you. Amen? And so that makes you a mighty weapon. It says here, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. This is the Apostle Paul telling the church at Corinth this. He said that you have weapons that are mighty in God. They're not mighty in you, not mighty in your flesh, not mighty because, you know, you've got all your ninja skills working. They're mighty because of what you understand and have a revelation of in the word of God. But just think about that, church. They didn't even have a Bible to go look at that day when he's preaching this message. He couldn't say, turn to the scripture, you know. But well, we have this, and he's trying to he's trying to get this point across to the to the church at Corinth. I think the Christian church has got to wake up and realize that we really have a mighty weapon on the inside of it. It's our knowledge of the Word of God and the application of it in our lives and what we can by faith walk in that's going to make the difference or the change that's going to take place in this earth. Amen. And so he says. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God. And they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So Timothy says that the hardest thing you're going to have to control is your mind. Right? In the book of Timothy, it says the hardest thing you're going to have to control is your brain. I'm paraphrasing this, but y'all give it to me, okay? He says the hardest thing you're going to have to deal with is your head. But then Paul says right here, into the Corinthian church, he says, man, you, you've got a mighty weapon to pull down strongholds, to tear down strongholds, to, 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 to destroy the thoughts that are coming against you. Well, why are the thoughts coming against you? Just think about this for a minute. Why does the devil want you discouraged? He wants you discouraged because if you ever turn the mighty weapon on, He's going to be defeated. It's his job to keep you discouraged. He wants to keep you down. He wants to keep you thinking, negatively. he wants to keep you thinking nothing's ever going to change. He wants to think you God's not going to move on your, on your behalf. He wants you to think that the promises are not true. That's what he wants to do. And then he wants to get people that'll believe it and preach it. And then he wants to get a whole, whole system going out there to try to trip Christians up so that they'll continue to stumble and never reach their mighty weapons. The only way you're going to get there is you have got to stand up. You've got to make your confession and say, man, I have a mighty weapon on the inside of me. Every day got to wake up and say, man, I am a threat to the kingdom of hell. Every day got to wake up and say, man, I am important on this earth. I have a mission. I have a mission. Everybody say i got a mission. You've got a mission in this world, okay? So now I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, this is point eight on the message, Sunday, that you have to start where you are, okay? Now, I cannot emphasize this enough, and the Holy Ghost just won't let me off of this thing, that we have to start where we are. People make a mistake whenever they get fired up about Jesus, that they always always think they've got to go run off and, you know, start a big ministry. But the truth of the matter is God always wants us to start right where we're at. Your first field of evangelism is yourself. Your first field of teaching is yourself, your spouse, your children, your your immediate surroundings, those around you. That's where your first mission field is. You have to start where you are. And I I mean, I I know, I know I, I was the same way. I started out, I kept thinking, you know, my gosh, I, I, I've got to go to the world. I've got to go do this. I've got to go to that. But the real truth of the matter is God wanted me to deal with my own personal family first. Then he could launch me out somewhere, okay? And so 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, I want to read this. It says, but as God has distributed to every each one as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. Okay, wait a minute. What? What? A distribution has taken place. Do you see that? God has distributed, a distribution has taken place from heaven to each one. Didn't impress you? Okay. That word distribution there, distribute or distribute, means to divide, to separate into parts, cut into pieces. Divide into parts, to be split into fractions, to distribute a thing or distribute a thing among people, bestow, impart. That's what that word means. In other words, Jesus took a part of himself and then he made a distribution to each one. That's why it's called the body of Christ. Nobody is Christ. It's the body of Christ, right? All members working together. But you're apart. part. You know, it's like I've heard before. Somebody said, yeah, I had an appendix taken out. You know, they said you don't need your appendix. I always thought, well, if I didn't need my appendix, then why was there one in there? Right? I kind of like it, leave all my organs in there. God would be there for a reason. It wasn't like God said, I don't know. Let's just make that thing. We'll call it an appendix. Throw it in there. It ain't going to do nothing but put it inside. Why would that happen? I think I need mine. I want mine. When I pray for my organs to function properly, I pray wherever it is. Is it here? (laughs) Ask the doctor, is it here? (laughs) Yeah. You work, baby. You function right. Okay? Because all of my parts are necessary. You are necessary to the body of Christ. Hear what I'm saying, you're necessary to the body of Christ. The devil wants to make you think you're insignificant, you're nothing, you have nothing to contribute. Who are you? What do you have to give? Well, you're this, you're that. You know, well, nobody really cares about, I got an ugly gift. I didn't really get a pretty gift. I'm just over here, I'm just doing this. No, no, no. Each and every one of you, you're all, you're important to the body of Christ. We've got to have you to function properly. And so when, you know, you lose a few organs, things don't work right right? Well, the same thing in the body of Christ. You start losing Christians, you start losing, you know, uh, and there's a separation going on. Well, then all of a sudden, it's not a good thing. I believe what now Jesus is doing is he's working with the body of Christ, trying to rise the church up to be whole and complete. Okay. I'm going to go back and read the rest of that. It says, but God has distributed to each one or distributed to each one as the Lord has called each one, so let him wall, and so ordain in all the churches. Was anyone called while he's circumcised, let him, become uncircum- let him not become uncircumcised? Was anyone called while uncircumcised, let him not become circumcised? Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping the commandment of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling for which he was called. You were called while a slave, do not be concerned about it. Now just think about what he says there. If you were called a slave, he said, don't even be concerned about it. Now think about that. If you're a slave, so when when a slave heard the gospel message and talking about freedom, he realized freedom was talking about something spiritual, and that he could be free even though he was still in servitude to his master. Right? So don't be concerned about it. But if you were uh, made free, well, then use that. So in other words, he's saying God's working in you and you are where you are right now for a reason and a purpose. Hello? You are where you are right now for a reason and a purpose. And if you'll just stick with God and what he's doing, then he's going to take what's been placed in you and he's going to then use it to get everything done that needs to be done. So a lot of people jump the boat too quick. They think it needs to be going a different direction. So what I'm saying to you right now is the times that we're in right now, there's no sense pulling your hair out and running, screaming down the street because we're in these times. So now it's time to all wake up, wake up and say, okay, God, what do, you, what do you want me to be doing now? What am I supposed to be doing now? How do I operate? How do I move? How do I flow in all of this? What do you want me to prepare? What do you want me to do? Because he's already given you what's necessary to get the job done for now. And then you know what happens about tomorrow? You'll have what's necessary for tomorrow. Because then it will be now. You follow what I'm saying? And then in three days from now, when you're there, it'll be now. And God always supplies you in the now. But we want the three-day supply before we get to the now. But God always supplies in the now. Now is the day of salvation. Hello. Do you know it doesn't require faith to operate in faith if you already have the supply you need? This you're going to need in three days. Because a lot of what happens is we're looking for security, and we're looking for security, you know, and other things, so that we have secure and we have comfort and we have whatever and we've got money in the bank and we've got food in the pantry and we've got the goose outside laying the golden egg and so we don't have anything to worry about, we're covered. I'm telling y'all, before COVID hit, I was driving down the road. I'd been praying and just talking to the Lord and praying. And I said, out of my, out of, just, just said it out of my mouth. I said, yeah, you know, like a virus, that'd be, that'd be a terrible thing to have to deal with. I said, that's, that's, and I said to the Lord, I said, that's kind of scary. You can't even see it. It's just a virus floating around, making everybody sick. And then when COVID hit, I was like, whoa, look at this. Okay. But you know what? We're still alive and kicking. My point is that we always want to have everything prepared, but you cannot prepare for everything. I was laughing, talking to a person today I, that we were remembering in grade school. Uh, it was a long time ago. But how in grade school, you know, we, you know, I was in the old days where you had the wooden desk. And I'm looking across this group, and I think most of y'all had one too. If you even had a desk. (laughs) Just on the back of the horse and buggy. But do you remember the nuclear drills? And we were told to get under our desk. Now, I'm not real sure, but I'm pretty sure if a nuclear bomb goes off anywhere around you, getting under your desk is not going to do you any good. Hello? And if there had been a giant mushroom cloud going off somewhere, I cannot imagine that the teacher could have controlled the third and fourth grade classes and fifth grade classes from running to the window and oh, look. Are y'all with me? And sometimes I think back about it, I was like, really? I mean, I, I wish I would as a kid said, are you really, are that really going to do any good? I mean, we've seen what this does and getting under my desk, is not going to do any good. And, you know, it came and it went. Right? Didn't happen. Although we were doing drills for it. My point is, folks, come on. God is the God who takes care of us. God is the God who supplies our needs. God is the God who always has it figured out tomorrow, but all we have to deal with is the now. And if you're trying to live in too far out and, you know, out ahead, you're always going to get in confusion. You're always going to get into fear because you don't know what's out there, but God does. So you're going to be more productive to spend your time with him saying, Lord, I'm your bond servant. I'm here to follow you, you've put something in me. You've distributed a piece of you in me. And so what would you want me to be doing today? You're going to come out a whole lot more productive that way. Walk in a whole lot more faith and see a whole lot more God moving because you're not trying to organize the world to come. He goes on here and says... uh, For he who is called to the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. You were bought with a price. Everybody say, I'm bought with a price. Each and every one of us were bought with a price. The price on us was the blood of Jesus. Each of us were bought with a price. Now, if God bought you with a price, you don't think he's not going to take care of what's his? You don't think he's going to take care of what's his? And so it's up to us to say, Lord, I've been bought the price. I'm yours. I'm your. I'm your. I'm your slave. I'm your bond slave here. Your bondman. You've got. I'm bound to you. You know, in the Old Testament, when a when a slave had, if he was working off a a debt to a master, but he wanted to stay on with the master, well, then you know they'd go to the to the doorpost of the house, and then he'd take his ear, you know, and they would take an awl and they would put it up on their ear and pop it through through their ear hole and leave some skin in the door, right? And then you had some skin in the game because you were part of that guy's household and you had a nice hole in your ear, wanted to wear an earring or a bone, I guess, you know. But the point was you, the, the slave showing his service, his loyalty to the master, put skin in his door. Well, they also meant that the slave could walk up and show some skin there in the door that was his to the master. So then the slave, yes, was responsible to the master, but the master was also responsible then to the slave because now they were bound together as one. Folks, it goes both ways. You've been bought with a price. And you belong to Jesus. But Jesus also belongs to you. It goes both ways. Okay. So, go look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, you ought to just spend some time and read the whole chapter 12. But I just want to look at verse 11 right quick. 1 Corinthians 12 11, Paul's talking to them about the, the, the gifts of the Spirit and what can be distributed to each person. But it says in verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all things. Uh oh, there's that word again distributing or distributing to each one individually as he wills so in other words he's in the business of pouring it out and distributing it to the people everybody you don't come up short in the distribution so i want you to know tonight according to philippians 1 and 6 a good work he started in you you are complete already have in you what's needed for tomorrow That doesn't mean you're going to use it, but that's your fault, not God's. He's already placed it in you. Look at 1 John 2, verse 20. 1 John 2, 20. I love this scripture. I've always loved this this verse. It says, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I'm not pulling this out of text because John's talking to him there. He's trying to get this same message through the people. So you got an anointing from the Holy One. You've got a, if you look up that word anointing, it literally means a pouring on, a smoothing, a salving, a, like like if somebody put hot butter on you and smoothed it all around with a, a knife, butter knife. You have an anointing from the Holy One. Because you have an anointing from the Holy One, then you're going to know all things. How about 1 John 4, 4? I mean, we know this one. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you, huh? He who's in you is greater than he that's in this world. Folks, listen to me. Have you, I, I, I'm really shocked and amazed. One of the things I imagine y'all, most of y'all heard it today, Governor Abbott signed the, the, the heartbeat bill, okay, praise God. But you know what's funny about this? There is state after state, if you go start looking at it, that's doing the same thing, they're they're working in the same deal. Isn't it funny that in the midst of all the trauma, in the midst of all the uh, liberal uh, uh, things that are going on, in the midst of all the new administration, that all these abortion uh, bills are getting passed? So in other words, something's going on. It's what I'm trying to say, bigger than what we can think, what we can see. Something's going on bigger out there than is getting reported. Because greater is he's in you than he's in this world. So if what's greater is in us and is in this world, then you're always going to win. Okay? Now let's look at another verse here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. I want to finish with this. Philippians 3, 12. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, it's not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say press on. press on. That I may lay hold of what Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He said, I want to I attain what Jesus has bought and put on the inside of me. I want to I fulfill it. I want to be everything he's called me to be. I don't want to come short in anything. I don't want to be short one day on earth. I've prayed this prayer a lot of times to the Lord. I said, "Lord, if it's my, if it's your will that I'm going to live to be an old man, then so be it. But let me be effective. I, I, I want to keep doing something for you. I want to keep whatever it is. I want to keep in the. I, I want to keep in the fight, right? So Paul's saying, I press on so that I can lay hold of it. Folks, that takes tenacity. That takes focus. That takes. Knowing who you are in Christ, that takes reminding and keeping yourself in the kingdom mentality, not in this world mentality, not in what the world's got up for you, but in this kingdom mentality of saying, I'm a child of God, I'm born again, I have a purpose, I'm advancing the kingdom of God, God's got an anointing on my life, God's going to do something with me. You have to keep tenacious about this. If you don't, then you just become a minion. You just become a a face in the midst of a vast crowd or maybe not even a face, just a blip. And that's where the devil really wants to keep you. He doesn't want you to keep you knowing that you're important, knowing that you're blessed, knowing that God's with you, knowing that God's put something in you and distributed parts and pieces of him in you to make you godly and holy and blessed and walking in perfection. He says, Okay, let me read back. Read it again. It says, "But I press on that I may lay hold of for that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of for me, brethren. I do not count myself as to have. <clears throat> I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing, everybody say one thing. One thing, one thing I do. He says one thing I do. I forget those things that are behind, and I reach forward to those things that are ahead." Folks, you're never going to go ahead with Jesus if you always remember about the mistakes you made yesterday. You're not going to attain what Jesus has for you if you're always looking back at saying, well, I'll always mess these things up. No, you've got to look forward. He says, and, and I reach forward to those things that are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, that's what I'm pressing for. I'm pressing for the goal. The goal is the prize of Jesus. So folks, listen to me. The good news in the middle of this trouble and trauma and things going on, we got to keep focused on what's the goal. We got to keep focused on on what's the goal here. It's the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. It's, it's, It's being everything that God called you to be. He said, therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. This is the mature mind, a mind that's focusing and keeping on that, not one that's wandering and wondering and looking backwards. Then he says, he says, therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, well, God even revealed this to you. In other words, he said, I'm right, you're wrong. And I'm just going to pray the Holy Ghost shows you. Right? He says, you think there's anything else, yeah, you don't make any difference. I'm just going to pray God reveals it to you so you can see that this is the only price. Amen? So there's mighty things in y'all. Mighty, mighty, mighty things in y'all. And don't be talked out of it. And don't be talked out of anything about where you are, your age, or this or that or the other, because God's going to use you right where you're at. That's what you're called for. Amen? And so don't be discouraged, be encouraged. Amen. So I just feel again, I just, I just know somebody watching or somebody in here tonight, I just feel this burden for you that you're just being overwhelmed. And I just want to pray for you right now. And I just want to believe God that this message, these words breaks everything in you. And, and, and you can, you can see this and then you can start pressing towards the goal because the goal, man, it is good because it's Jesus. So I tell you, just put your Bibles up and everybody just stand up for just a minute. Let me just pray for you. Father, I just pray right now for these people in here in the service, but for everyone out there watching and listening tonight. I just declare, Lord God, that the chains and the yokes that the enemy wants to put upon people's minds is broken right now in Jesus' name. That Lord, through these words of your, your word tonight and this message, that you would break those strongholds. Lord, and let people see that they have mighty, mighty works on the inside of them, that they are anointed of God and greater is he that's on the inside of them than he that's in this world. Lord, that we would begin to focus on the prize and we forget the things that are behind and we would press towards the goal of the future being with you, Lord. And so I declare it tonight. That, Lord, all the lies the enemy has sown, all the the words that he's put in people's minds, I just break it in Jesus' name. And I declare that there is a true flow of the Holy Ghost to them tonight. Just like a river of pure water going into them and setting them free and delivering from this life of bondage, of being guilty of the past and looking at, at the past that hinders them from going on in their future. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. I thank you for it. Lord, bless them. Lord, I declare that we are a blessed church. I declare this church is gonna become everything that you called us to be. Lord, the body of Christ here is gonna be strong and gonna be mighty. I declare, Lord God, that our finances are blessed. I declare that our businesses are blessed. I declare, oh Lord God, your good hand is upon us. And because your good hand is upon us, I declare, Lord, we cannot fail. So bless us, Lord. Bless them out there, Lord. Bless their finances. Bless everything that's going on in their life. And Lord, I just thank you for it. And I declare this night's a night of revelation and a night of victory for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, church.